Amen in the house. Amen. What a great series that we've been handling over this last month. I like giving. Come on, say that with me one more time. I like giving. And we did something very different with this series in the fact of we started at the end and then we worked from the beginning. So we went first at where our goal, what is our goal? What are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to achieve through this month? It was the answer to a question that went like this, am I generous? Come on, am I generous? And that's what we are trying to answer, the fact that God wants us to live with a generous spirit, because generosity is not a destination. Come on, a lot of people say, well, if I had that much money, I could be generous. Come on, people are maybe looking at how much you have. You may think you have a little, but it's a great lot to some other people. And God is looking at the heart and seeing what we'll do with what we have. So generosity is not a destination. Generosity is right where we're at right now. That we can be generous as the lady with the two mites in the Bible. We can be generous with nothing as much as we can be generous with a million dollars. What's in our hand, we need to be faithful with. And we've understood through this course and through this time in this series that it starts with a test. There's a test that it starts, and we talked about that last week. Again, you need to make a commitment each and every week to be in the house because it's really important stuff that we're covering each and every week. And it's especially important that you understand for this reason why God is waiting on you. Come on, God is waiting on you. Come on, hello, God's waiting on you. Why? Because when we do, God says, I will do. God says, I will do. So the question's not on God. The question's on our willingness and obedience to do. Will we give to God? And today I want to talk about God first. The importance of how God must be first in our lives, period. Not just in our giving, we're going to see how it plays out today in our giving. But God needs to be first in our life. Come on, when there's a problem in our lives, He needs to be the first one we turn to. The first thing in the morning, He needs to be the first one we turn to. It's not about picking up the phone and calling. Come on, God wants to be the first and the priority of our lives. And giving to God and putting God first is one of the greatest tests that we have in our lives. It's one of the greatest tests that we have to truly show, through our giving, to truly show whether God is first or not. You know, there's a lot of words out there, but there's very little action. Come on, I want to say that again. There's a lot of words out there, but there's very little action. There's a lot of people say, oh, God's first in my life. I love Jesus. But when you really look at the action that's backing up those words, there's very little of it. 
And we want to get to the place that we're not just speaking empty words, but we're living a full life with God being first in everything that we do. You know, there's a saying out there that goes like this. Are you ready? First things first. Things first. Anyone heard that before? First things first. In other words, we've got to create a starting point. What do they say out there? They say this many times. It's not how you start, but how you finish that matter. How many knows, though, that that is true, but it's not completely true? Because you've got to first start. Come on, you may have a rough start, but you've got to have a starting point. So there has to be a starting point in order for us to be able to finish strong. And that starting point, I believe, is so important for each one of our lives that we put the first thing first, that we honor God with everything that we have. I want to do an illustration, if I could, today. Rob, can you come up here? Bishop, come up here with me today. I want Rob to come. In fact, I'll come down here with you today because you're kind of an old man and you can't make it up that many planets. Can you count those for me and tell me how many we've got there? Count out loud for us. One, two, hold on. My wife usually count. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten. He's got ten one dollar bills there. I'm going to ask him a simple question. Are you ready? What or how much is the tithe? Ten percent. Okay. Which is how much out of ten dollars? One dollar. One dollar. How many ever, anyone agree with me that one dollar is the tithe? Simple math. Okay, so we've got 10 $1 bills, but here's the real important question. Are you ready? Which one is the tithe? Mm, I'm going to say the first one. The first one must be the tithe. Come on, go and buy yourself a coffee later today. (laughs) The first one has to be the tithe. Not after everything else is gone. Oh, if we've got something left, then we'll give to God. But we know that $1 is the tithe. But the first dollar has to be the tithe to God. And the Bible calls that three things. Are you ready? It calls it the firstborn. It calls it the first fruits, or it calls it the tithe. That's what it is. Three things. And what we're going to discover from God's word is this, that they either must be sacrificed or redeemed. And we're going to explain that so you can understand that. So let's go on a journey together. You ready? Exodus chapter 13 and verse 2 says this. Are you ready? It says this. Exodus 13 verse 2. Sorry, it's the wrong scripture. Listen, it says this. Consecrate or set apart to me all the firstborn. Okay? Whatever that opens the womb amongst the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. So set apart, give to me, the Bible says, the, all the firstborn, whatsoever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, God says, it is mine. Do you know that this thought or this kind of passage is actually repeated 16 times in the word of God? God says 16 times that the firstborn That which has to be given is mine. Come on, if it's recorded once, if it's recorded twice, that's really important. But when it's 16 times, obviously God is really trying to stress something of great importance that we need to catch in our lives. So let's jump down, if we could, to Exodus 13, verse 12 and 13. It says this, and this is how he instructs them to give. He says that you shall set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb, that is, 
Every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you will break its neck. So listen to me, what is God saying? He's saying again that you set apart to me anything that opens the womb. He says any animal, any offspring that you have, you have to what? You have to give it to me. It's the Lord's. It's God's. The first is God's. And then he goes on to talk about that which is unclean, And that which is clean. But I want you to see something. It says this at the last of that verse 13. It says, and if you will not redeem it. In other words, if you don't give it, if you don't put it first and give it to God, then notice what it says. Then you shall break its neck. Wow. So here's my choice. Are you ready? If I don't give it, then I'm going to lose it anyway. How many people today are losing in their lives for what reason? Because they first haven't given to God. We turn around and we say, oh, listen, if I don't have enough, I never will if I give to God. I'm telling you right now, you are breaking the neck of life and blessing and fruitfulness that can come in your life. And you can say, oh, well, then at least I'll have enough. I'm telling you right now, if you don't give, it's going to be taken away from you. It's going to be taken. Why? Because 90% blessed goes a whole lot further than 100% that is cursed. Come on. Come on. And verse 13 says, And all the firstborn of man amongst your sons you shall redeem. Let me explain that again. Sacrifice and redeem. If you were to have an animal that was labeled as clean, in Leviticus, God instructs them of that which is clean and that which is unclean. A pig, something like that, was that which was unclean. A donkey was unclean. A lamb was that which was clean. And there were other examples that are listed. So if you were to have a lamb, you were to sacrifice that lamb. You were to give it. It was to take its life. Now, if you had a donkey and a donkey had a young donkey, you weren't to sacrifice that because it was unclean. But what you would do is you would take a lamb and you would redeem that donkey. In other words, you would substitute it or replace it with a lamb. The same with a child. Come on, if you had a son, you didn't kill your son. How many are glad about that? Come on, you didn't kill your son. You didn't sacrifice your son, but you redeemed your son. Therefore, you replaced it with a sacrifice. That's what redeeming means, that you replace it with something. So in God's way of thinking, there are only two methods. There's not a third option. The two methods are you either sacrifice it or you redeem it. What's our third option? Are you ready? Here's our third option. Keep it. Come on, that's what we say. Well, I'm just going to keep it. And God already said what happens when you keep it. It's as good as dead. Come on now. Come on, I'm preaching truth to you today. If you're going to keep it, it's as good as dead. Because it's not going to be blessing. It's going to go like sand through your fingers. That you're not going to see the blessings of God. Come on, are you still with me? Look at this scripture from John 1 verse 29. John 1.29 says this, The next day, John, this is talking of John the Baptist, he's been in the wilderness. 
He's baptizing people. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him. And John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, of the whole world. In other words, John is looking and he said, here's the sacrifice. Here's the one who is going to redeem mankind once and for all. John was saying, here's the one that was given of God, that he would give his life for each one of us. In other words, listen to this. Jesus was God's tithe. Jesus was God's tithe for you and I. You've got to think about that. I love that because God doesn't ask from us anything that he himself has not given and not done. We may think giving tithe on $50 is tough. What? A whole $50 I need to give? Think about what God gave. $50 is nothing in comparison to the sacrifice that he gave. What did he give? His firstborn son, his one and only son. He gave him to be the sacrifice that would redeem us. Why? He was clean, but what were we? We're unclean. Anyone clean here? Come on, we were unclean. So that's why he had to be the sacrifice that redeemed you and I because we were not worthy. But he was the spotless sacrifice that was worthy for us. And how amazing that God gave his best. He gave first his son to a world that most rejected him. But yet God still gave. Look what it says, Romans 5 verse 8. It says, but God demonstrateth his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Come on, while we were still in sin. Not when we got it right. God says, but when we were still sinners, God gave his best, his son, to die for us. In other words, Jesus was given in faith long before we ever believed. Long before we said yes, the sacrifice was made for each one of us. And given how? He was given first. Aren't you glad that God didn't wait to see what you would do with your life? But he gave so it would be possible that we could see. Come on, we would still be in darkness. We would still be in blindness. But he gave so we can have liberty and freedom. If there was no sacrifice, listen to me, there would be no savior. But because he was given first, now we know and we can place our hope and trust in him. And that's how God instructs each one of us to give first before we see the blessings of God. Oh, it's easy to say, man, I'll give when I start seeing something back. God says, no, you give first before you even see a blessing. You see before you give before you even see any return or anything. Why? Because giving is an act of faith. It's a test of our faith. And we've got to give in faith and with faith, trusting in God. Look what it says in Hebrews 11 verse 6. It says, but without faith, It is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that 
He is. That's one of the ways that we believe. That's one of the ways that we say, remember, we're not just talking about it in words, but we're doing it in action. That's one of the ways that we show that we believe God by honoring him and obeying him and paying our tithe and giving first to him. We're saying, God, you are my what? You're my provider that he is what? The able one, the one who can provide and meet my need. Come on. He is my healer. He is my deliverer. He is my way maker. He is my everything. That's what we're doing. An act of faith saying, God, you are. You're able to take care of my finances. You are able to provide for me. And that he is what? Not maybe, but the Bible says that we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Not maybe, but he is, not will be. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That reward is generous generosity is the thought. He's a rewarder. He's not just given generously. He wants to lavishly give to his children. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How? First, putting God first above, not seeking him after everything else. But the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added to you. You see, today, you've got to understand this. Everything that you have, the first belongs to God. The first belongs to God. And we're not just talking about money. That's specifically the thought and the subject for the series as we look at I like giving. But I'm telling you, that spills out into every area of our lives. What about our time? What about our church attendance? Let me tell you something about that. God wants first for that. You know how much better our days would be if we started off with him first? Come on, before our feet even hit the floor, that we just turn around and say, Jesus, bless my day today. I give you this day. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to sense your presence. I want to live with you. Come on, maybe you don't have time to do all that because you're on your way to the coffee pot. But before your feet hit the floor, you can at least say, Jesus, help me. Come on now. You're putting him first. You know why I love church so much and why I think it's important? Get any calendar out and notice what day is on the left column of any calendar. It's Sunday. Why is that? Because it's the first day of every week. Some people look and say, oh, it's the end of the week. Monday's the first. No, Sunday is the first day of every week. And I believe it's so important. That's why we need to be in the house. Why? Because we're giving God first of our week. We're saying, God, I'm honoring you with my life first. And God, I'm paying that tithe of my time and dedication, knowing what? That you'll redeem, that you'll take care of, that you'll handle my week. You see, back to the scripture that we read, God is instructing them that when they have a lamb, when they have a donkey, an oxen, when they have a young, they were to give first to God. They didn't know if that animal would ever give birth again. It wasn't a case of, hey, give me the third one. It was the first one. They don't know what could happen after that. They don't know whether that sheep, for example, would ever have another lamb. And we can look and say, come on, God, could you just wait a little bit? And God says, will you trust me with that first? They had to trust God and understand this. It wasn't their hobby raising sheep. It wasn't their hobby having oxen. It was their livelihood. Come on, it was that which they had. If their lamb did not come forth or their sheep did not have a lamb, come on, they were in struggle. They were in problems because they were relying on that for whether it was the wool or or just to be able to sell or to be able to eat, whatever. They were relying on that. And God says, 
give me first. Give me first. It takes great faith to trust God and to give to him first and promise of redeeming the rest. Come on, we don't have proof of more, but we have a promise of more. And the promise should be proof enough for us because if God says do it, come on, that should be proof enough for our lives to trust God with everything we have. Remember the little boy that had a little sack lunch? Remember the little boy? How many did he have? Five loaves and two fish. When we think of five loaves and two fish, we're like thinking of like five big loaves of bread. No, this was his lunch. This was a little boy's lunch. Mom, how many of you pack five loaves of bread for your kid? Come on, you don't. It was just like five little sandwiches. They were maybe even cut out in like little dinosaur shapes or just something like that, you know, stamped out. They were just second. And there was two little fish. Come on, he didn't have like big 10-pounders. These were probably little sardines, just little fish, just something that was so small. But what do we see in that story? And we don't have time to go there, but read it for yourself of when Jesus feeds the multitude. And he touches people with just a little lunch. What do we see from that? Can I tell you what I see in that? His miracle or his seed could have so easily have been eaten. Come on, he could have so easily eaten that. After all, whose lunch was it? Was his? What did mum make it for, for him to eat? He could have so easily eaten that seed. And why would he do that? Well, because he's looking, because they're asking for food. And what would be so little among so many? I mean, you've got 20,000 people right now. Come on. You've got 20,000. Well, how do you know that? The Bible says the feeding of the 5,000. That excludes all women and children. There was probably about 20,000 people that day. And what a miracle there was through a little boy's lunch. Because what happened when he gave it to God? When he gave even what he thought, man, how could God ever even do something with this? This is so little with such a great need. But what happened when he gave first to God? God multiplied it, didn't he? Come on, I said, didn't God bless it? And the Bible says that there was food left over after everyone had eaten their full. They were filled up. Everyone had eaten their fill till they were full up. Grown men had eaten from five loaves and two fishes. Why? Because it multiplied. It multiplied. But what did he have to do first? He had to first give it in order for it to be blessed and multiplied. Oh, but pastor, I don't have enough. It's because you're not given for it to be blessed and to be multiplied. Oh, well, Pastor Philip, you don't understand. That's all I have. You've got to put God first and put it to the test because it's when it's placed into his hands, he can bless it and he can multiply it. Here's a saying that I live by. Are you ready? If God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Come on, if God can get it through you, if he knows he can trust you, he'll get it to you. Trust me. God will get it, but it's if he can't get it through you, if there's an unwillingness to give and you want to keep, that's not the option of God. It's to be sacrificed or to be redeemed. It has to be given. So if we want to keep it, we'll end up losing it anyway. And again, this is why so many Christians never experience the blessings of God in their lives. Why? Because they don't give their first fruit to Him. But they figure it all out and they work it all out. And then they say, well, God, let me just give you a little bit. And God, you understand. You, you know, God. Or maybe, God, I'm going to have to skip this month because extra things are coming in. 
think about what you're saying with that. That God, those things are more important than you are. I'm placing those things ahead of you in my family, in my life, and in everything I have. So many Christians never experience the blessings of God because they don't put God first. They don't understand first. You see, your seed is going to multiply in your hands after you give it to him. There's a blessing that can come to your life. Tithing is one of the primary ways we acknowledge God is first. Remember we talked about we do it with our words, but we're lacking action. Primary, one of the primary ways that we can really show and acknowledge that God is first is with our tithes. Look what Jesus said. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, verse 8, talking of the people of that day and really talking of the people, our lives today. He said, these people draw near to me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips. But notice, their heart is far from me. In other words, Jesus says they talk a good talk, but they dishonor me with the way they live. With the choices and the decisions, they say I'm first, but by the way they live, I'm not. They don't put me first. They don't give me every area of their lives. And we know from the, ma- the passages of Scripture and through this series, we know this, that whatever we treasure the most, our heart's going to be there. So God says they're not honoring me with their hearts. Why? Because their treasure is in other things other than God. And it wasn't just the firstborn. That was the firstborn that Jesus talked about. He also talks about the first fruits. Look, Exodus 23, verse 19. It says, and the first of the first fruits of the land, the first of the first, the first of the first fruits of the land, you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And then it goes on to say in Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your possessions. What does it say? With the first fruit of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. What happens when we honor God, when we put him to the test, when we give first to him, the promise is that our barns will be full. Come on, they will be filled as we put him first. And the thought is this. Notice he says, not that your barns will be full, but your barns will be filled Why? Because something that's full can be empty. But something that's being filled is what? It's a constant supply. It's a constant blessing that God wants to pour out into each one of your lives. And then what? Our vats will overflow. If they're just full, they're not going to overflow. But in order for something to overflow, what? More has to be constantly put into it. That's what God wants to do. Constantly pour and put into each one of our lives. You know the children of Israel, God puts in the New Testament, he says that the examples of their life and what they chose to do are recorded for what reason? To be an example for us, to help us, to instruct us. So when we read of them, we can look at them so many times and we can go, man, what's wrong with them? Come on, have you ever read the Bible and looked at the children of Israel and said, what is wrong with them? And then when you realize that their life is pretty much parallel to our life, we have to turn around and say, what's wrong with me? Because we fall victim so many times to those same things. So here they are. They're promised 
a promised land. God says, I'm giving you a land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Come on, an overflow, a blessing, more than enough. They lived in a wilderness for 40 years. Why? Because they didn't trust God. They didn't put him to the test. They didn't honor him. Now, all of those who were, all those of that generation have died. And now only Joshua and Caleb are left. And they're getting ready to go into the promised land. But their first obstacle, come on, how many hates the fact that the promise is faced first with an obstacle. Come on, come on, God. I mean, that's our promise. Why not a blessing, but an obstacle? Their first step into their promise was a massive city called Jericho. Chariots used to race around these city walls. Massive walls, a massive city, a massive obstacle in their way. But nothing to God. Come on, I said that nothing to God. It's nothing to God. Because God gives the instruction of what they were to do. And God told them, you're not going to have to fight. I'm going to fight for you. But what does God show them? You be obedient to me. But God also shows them something else that we forget. Because we know the story about them walking around the walls and being obedient and shouting and God producing a great victory. We know about that. But you know what? There's another obedience that God asks of them. And God says to them these words. Here's the instruction in Joshua 6, verse 18 and 19. And it says, And you, by all means, are to abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of those things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Because all the silver and the gold and all the vessels of iron are consecrated. Come on, say with me, set apart. To who? To the Lord. So what is God saying to them? Yeah, walk around the city, be obedient. But when you have a victory, God says, don't touch anything. Don't take any of the spoils of that city because it is all mine. Why would God say that? Because again, he is showing the example of first. What were they stepping into? Their promise. What was God saying? You give me first and then everything else of the land is all yours. You put me first and everything else can be yours. But there was a man named Achan. There was one man amongst this multitude of some two million plus people. And he caused some problems for what reason? He kept or took that which was not his to take. He took some of that. He kept some of that. You can read the story of it in in Joshua chapter 7. I believe it's verse 21. You can read it. He took an outfit, man. He he liked that. Oh, that's going to look good on me. I'm going to take that. He took 200 shekels of silver. He took a wedge of gold and he hid them under his tent. And little did he know that that sin in his life would not only affect him, but it affected the children of Israel. Why? Because there was a victory that day. As God caused those walls to fall down flat, that's a victory right there. Because massive walls to fall would fall in a pile of rubble. But the Bible says God caused the walls to fall down flat so they were able to run into the city. They didn't have to climb over... um, just a mass of rubble. Remember the 9-11 and when, when we witnessed just our whole really lives change on that day. But remember the piles of rubble that there were from those buildings that came down. 
There would have been tons and tons of rubble that would be left. But God worked a victory. They ran in that day. And because of the victory, they turned around and they saw an enemy called Ai. And they thought, man, we're just going to go out and we're going to defeat them and we're going to do it. But the day of victory ended in defeat. And they were upset with God. God, what's going on? And God says, hold on a second. Don't be upset with me because I'm a God of your victory. But the reason there's defeat in the camp is because there is sin in the camp. What was the sin that someone had taken? And our thought is this, that we haven't given. But someone had taken that which they should not still have. We keep what we should not have. And as a result of Achan's sin, the whole children of Israel were held up and hindered. Why? Because his sin did not just affect him. It affected other people. Remember we read that last week from Malachi 3 verse 9. It says, For you are cursed with a curse, for you have not only robbed me, but the word of God says this, but you have robbed even this whole nation. Think about that. And we see this in the example that we just read. So it's not just robbing us. It's robbing others around us. Why? Because it's bigger than just us, but it has to start with us. You see, there are so many things that we can do if we have the means to do it. But because people are not faithful, you're robbing other people from what God wants to do in their lives too. Can you see that? We're robbing a nation. We're robbing others. And again, Malachi, the word of God, period, is written by a God who never changes. We talked about that last week. The first murder in the Bible, you know what it was over? An offering. Come on, the first murder in the word of God. And people have been fighting over offerings ever since. I don't want to give and fight in it. The first murder that was committed. Look in Genesis 4 verse 3 and 5. It says this. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn. Notice the difference straight off the bat. He brought of the firstborn of his flock. So what do we see? Cain brought some of what he had. Abel did what? He brought the first, the firstborn. He sacrificed the firstborn of the fat. And the Lord respected whose offering? Abel's offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. Offering. The Message Bible says Cain's offering did not get God's approval. Why was that? Because he didn't give first, he gave just a little bit off. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Again, the Message Bible says Cain lost his temper and he went into a sulk. And can I tell you, he didn't only turn into a sulk, he went into a hulk. Come on, what did he do? And he killed and he murdered his brother. He killed his brother because of his anger, of the fact that God did not accept. And God even said to him, listen, I will accept if you do right. And what was right? Bring me your first fruits. Bring me the best. I want the nicest ears of corn. I want the first. I don't want the little dirty pieces that have been left that you can't sell and you can't get any money for. And you think, well, at least I can give that to God. Come on, we're offering to God so many times things that will not get his approval because God wants first and God wants our best. You know what I see when I read a story like this? Here's what comes to my heart. Are you ready? It could have all been so different. Come on, it could have been so different. 
He didn't have to murder his brother. It could have been so different that day if what? If he would have just done what he knew he needed to do. But what did he do? He attacked the one that did the right thing. How many times is that us, that we're attacking the people that are doing the right thing and we're living with the loss and we're living in the guilt? Come on, it could be so different for each one of our lives if what? If we just put God first. Oh, but Pastor Philip, that's tough. You don't understand all my bills. You don't understand all. Listen, we talked about it Wednesday night. Pete preached a message on stewardship. You need to get your affairs in order. Come on, you just can't pay your tithes and expect God just to bless mayhem and craziness. Come on, you need to do some plastic surgery. Cut up those credit cards. You need to get a budget. You need to change your lifestyle. Why? Live within your means so God can begin to bless you. God can't just bless foolishness. Because if he blesses foolishness, what is he doing? He's condoning the foolishness of your life. God cannot honor that. You've got to get things right. And our lives could be so different. And we look and say, oh, but Pastor Philip, you don't understand. You just don't know. I'm telling you, the problem is not that I don't understand. The problem is that you're not understanding. Come on, I'm saying it as nice as I can. Oh, well, God understands. He knows my heart. Can I tell you something right now? God understands something greater than your heart. And you know what that is? His word. He understands the truth. Well, God knows my heart and and God knows that if I could, I would. No, God knows a heart that what? Puts him first and honors him with everything. How do we put God first? How do we put him first? Remember the illustration? We had $10. $1 is the tithe. But which one's the tithe? The first one. How do we do that? I'm telling you how you need to do it. And I'm not putting you into condemnation with this. But I'm telling you, if you still write checks, you know the first check that you need to write every month in your checkbook should be your tithe. Why? Because that's not even money that you should figure in to your budget and everything of your life. That's, that's God's. I know we can't come to the church and give it. We can now through texting and online. You can pay it straight there and then. But I think it should be the first check that you write. Come on, if you've got direct deposits and direct billing online, come on, you can do that too. You can pay online. Man, I'm going to send my tithe first. And then I do everything else after that. Because God must be first. You know, look at our checkbooks. Look at our wallets. Look at our bank statements. You know what it shows? It shows that our mortgage company is more important than God. Come on, it shows that our credit cards are more important. Oh, our cell phone, that's got to be pretty close to God. No, no, nothing's even close to God. You put him first. You've got to put him first so he can take care of the rest. You know, some people say this statement, there's nothing that God cannot do. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? There's nothing God can't do. It's not really true because there are some things that God cannot do. And one of those things is this. He cannot go against his word. God cannot go against his word. So when God is instructing us to give first to him, we've got to understand that he won't go against that. So if we're disobedient to that, we're the ones that's closing up the blessing and the opportunity and the avenues of what God has. But what's the promise to a tither? Come on, there's a promise to a tither. Those who give first to God, here's our promise, Malachi 3 verse 11. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. 
He shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Come on, the one who never changes. What's the promise? Come on, we can have a promise over our finances, over our future, over our lives. And what is that? Come on, I'm a tither. When the enemy comes, come on, and things begin to break and things happen, what can we do? God, I'm a tither. And what is that promise? God, as I give to you first, God, you are going to redeem and you're going to take care of the rest. Come on, I don't have to worry. I'm a tither. Come on, I don't have to worry. I'm a tither because God will take care of me. Look at this statement. God doesn't need you to give, but you need to be blessed. Oh, but you just talked about giving. Yeah, but the emphasis is on what? For your life, not God. God doesn't need, God doesn't have to cash in heaven because he's running low on money. Come on, he's doing okay. God's doing okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's doing okay. Come on, he's plush. He's good. He's got enough in the wallet. He's okay. He's not suffering in recession. He's good. God's got it all good. But what does he need? He needs our obedience. And why does he need our obedience? So he can bless us. Come on, I need the blessing of God in my life. And I know we talk about that. And I know you've heard statements like, you know, God doesn't need your money. You know, the church doesn't need your money. The reality is this. God doesn't need it, but he uses it. And it's required for us to do a work here on this earth. We need to have finance and funds. Come on, it's okay for God. God doesn't need those things. But we as a church, we as ministries, we need those things. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't need those things. He does. But what's the important part over and over again is not, well, God, you need that. The important part is, no, God, I need you. I need the blessing. I need you. I need your help and strength. And there's one other thing I want to show you just before I close today. And that is this from Exodus again, Exodus 13, verse 14. It says this, so it shall be when your son or your child asks you in times to come saying, what is this? What is this? What does he mean? What is this? Why are you tithing? Why are we giving a lamb? Why, why are we redeeming a ox for a lamb? Why are we giving those things? Why are we bringing? Come on. What, what's the point of that? Why so much? Come on. I've had my kids look at me before and they've seen our tire checks and says, Dad, why so much? Why are we giving that? I can understand giving, but why all of that? What does he say? You shall say to your children, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. What is he saying? When your children and the next generations say to you, why do that? What do we tell them? We tell them the fact of God's deliverance in our lives. Come on, who's got a testimony of deliverance of God? Come on, when our children say, but why? Come on, your dad wasn't always the same person he is today. Come on. Mum didn't always act the same way she did before. Come on, Kristen just this last week went back into the areas where she used to do drugs and she was a drug addict and she went and filmed and and shot things. Why? She's not the same person that she used to be. She went back there to show those of what God has done in her lives. But what I'm saying is this. Come on, we give testimony to the fact. We tell our children, this is why we do it. Come on, we pass it on to our children. 
children, teaching them to have a heart of generosity and gratitude to God. Why? Because with a mighty hand, God saved my life. God delivered me from alcohol. God set me free from drugs. God changed my life. And this is why I do it. And this is why I willingly do it. And I put God first and I honor him. And when we do that, our life of blessing begins. Come on, say with me, begins. Life of blessing begins. With a clear understanding and the acceptance of the principles of firstborn, first fruits, and the tithe, which means the first. With a true, clear understanding of that, I'm telling you, it's then possible to move into the greater adventures that God has in store for those who will put Him first. God's got great adventures in store for you. Great blessings for your life. But it only comes through proper understanding and implication of the fact that, God, you must be first. So what will you do? Here's a simple equation. Are you ready? You can tithe and you'll be blessed. Or you can not tithe and be cursed. Pretty simple, isn't it? Duh, let me think about that, Pastor P. What is there to think of? You want to bring a curse? You want to bring consequences of wrong decisions and choices upon your life? Remember where we started? There's only two choices to God. You sacrifice or redeem because if you keep, what happens? You're going to have to break its neck. You're going to lose it anyway. And you've got to realize this, that when I tithe, we can say, oh, that's old school. And that's it. No, it's God's school. It's God's way. It's God's means of blessing for your life and for my life. And again, so many Christians don't enter into it because they don't honor God first. God says, put me to the test. How? You do it. Come on, you do it. And then as you do it and you put me first, God says, watch and see that I will do it. Look at this thought. Are you ready? Taken can never bless you. Something that's taken from you can never bless you. But giving always can. Why? Because giving always carries the potential of what? Blessing. You cannot get if you don't give. And if you keep, there's no blessing in that. The only blessing comes when we give to God and we put him first in our lives. Come on, I want a church that honors God, not just in word, but in action and says, God, you're first. I want us to be the greatest, most generous people around. Come on, I want us to see such generosity rise in our lives. Why? Because when we put God first, God's going to bless and redeem and give back to us. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. But that's not our motive for giving. We don't give to get, we give to give. We get to give. We get to honor God. We get to put him first in our lives. And I'm telling you right now, you may say, Pastor Philip, I, I still don't know about this. Well, here's what I challenge you. Put him to the test. Make a commitment for the next month that you will faithfully pay your tithes. And I'm telling you right now, you ready? Here's my guarantee. Okay, it's on record. It's on recording. So I'll be held to this. I'm telling you right now, if God does not bless your life, the church will refund every penny of tithe that you give in the next month. Come on, I'm telling you right now. I've got that much confidence. I've got that much confidence. But I will say this. We're not talking about just tipping God and giving him a little bit and expecting. We're talking about an honest tithe. If you honestly tithe and put God first for the next month and he doesn't come through from you, I'm telling you, we will reimburse you every penny. And I can say that with confidence. Why? Because I know that God will reward those who honor him. 
Because there's two testimonies. The testimony of the tither and the testimony of the non-tither. And the tither says, I don't know how, but God did. And a non-tither says, I can't afford to give. And if you can't afford to give, you never will. Until you begin to give. And we're not just tipping God. The first is his. Come on, it's that 10%. And we're honoring God with that. Would you stand to your feet with me today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master.